Blog Talk Radio. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. Your hosts are here for the show tonight to interview our special guest. A show highlight the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, boxing, a tennis ball story. Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, tune in for all the news and scores, reporting on the games, and so much more. Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. Friday, June 2nd, 2023. I am Aaron, and Alan, of course, is joining me here tonight. So I want to, of course, thank our great sponsor, as tonight's show is sponsored by Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Alan, good evening here on this Friday. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate everybody, our fans, and definitely always a delight to be on our show on a Friday evening. Absolutely, absolutely. It's hard to believe that we're already five months into 2023. This is the uh, first show, of course, for the month of June. The year is going by super, super fast, uh, very, very quickly here, of course. Um, and we're in the NBA Finals now, which is really, uh, really a good thing here. Obviously, uh, a week ago, we were talking about the Celtics coming back and, and you know, getting close to maybe repeating what the Red Sox did way back in 2004. But in the NBA, of course, and they, they forced the game seven and they end up losing uh, to the Miami Heat. And then, of course, uh, Denver, who I think we both predicted uh, prior to whoever was going to win that, we predicted that Denver would end up winning the finals. They take game one last night over Miami. And first of all, were you surprised by game one? Were you surprised by the, the Celtics losing in the fashion they did in game seven? And then were you surprised by uh, Denver winning game one? The Celtics, I was a bit surprised. I was surprised. I actually predicted them to win the series. You know, credit to the Heat. They, they, they weathered the storm, and they did their thing. I was surprised in a, on a couple different fashions. Number one, I was surprised the Celtics did lose game seven. I thought for sure fate was on their side 150 times in a row. Plus, you had Johnny Damon in the house. You had <laughs> – you had – you had the, the fact that, you know, to, to this date, the biggest collapse was my team. I hate to say it. 
I know Derek Jeter probably is listening. And the thing is, the biggest collapse and the biggest choke in sports history to me until something changes is the Yankees losing four straight in the ALCS against the Red Sox. And I thought that the Celtics were going to break that and be tied with the Yankees. And, you know, I mean, they, I'm sorry, the Heat were going to be tied with the Yankees in the fact that they would lose four straight and lose the, lose the playoff series. They really should have closed out. But fate had it. They were not in – and playing at home, too, it did not turn out that way. The Celtics came in flat, and not only did they come in flat, they kept jacking up threes. Charles Barkley, I love his take. He said that they kept jacking up threes, missing them, and continue to process over and over again instead of trying to get a higher percentage shot. That surprised me. But I was, I was surprised that the Celtics did lose Game 7, and they lost the Game 7 pretty con- very convincingly. It, it really was not much of a game, and they lost. So I was shocked on, on both ends, the gameplay as well as them losing Game 7. What about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, talk about anticlimactic. Uh, just, just, you thought the momentum was fully with Boston, and then it's like they came out and they didn't show up for Game 7. Um, it would have almost been like, and I, I, I remember watching Game 7 uh, back in 2004 between New York and Boston, and Johnny Damon, you mentioned him a moment ago, he hit two home runs in Game 7, one of which was a grand slam into the upper deck at Old Yankee Stadium in right field. And I believe at the time that put the Yankees, uh, or sorry, the Red Sox up 7 to nothing. And you kind of knew, okay, the momentum is with them, and it's going to continue with them. And they, of course, went on to uh, exercise the curse of Bambino, um, it would have been like that hap- that same thing happening, but it was the Yankees who did it. It would have been A-Rod and Gary Sheffield hitting big home runs back in 2004, and the Red Sox coming all the way back from three games to none down and then losing in game seven. That's kind of how you felt uh, a few nights ago for the Celtics. I feel bad for them, but I- I'm going to stick with my prediction from before. Even if they had come back and won, I don't feel like either one of these teams has what it takes to actually beat Denver in the, in the finals. I think they might win a game, and I think Miami might win one game in this series, but I feel like the, the, the more complete team is the Denver Nuggets right now, and I think that they're going to, you know, look, we talk about Tampa being in the Tampa market ourselves. You know, you had the Lightning and the Buccaneers who've done so well. Look at what has happened out in Denver. You have almost a year ago now, you have the, the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup, um, and now you have the, the Nuggets who are trying to, to bring another championship there. We're not going to see anything out of the Rockies or the Broncos anytime soon. So sorry, Denver fans, you know, you got to, got to stick with basketball and, and hockey at this point. Um, but uh, you know, it, a very dramatic and then anti-dramatic series at the same time. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm predicting at the best, it's a five game series with Miami winning one game. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I, I think Miami actually the first game they did better than I thought. And you know, if the Nuggets wasn't so so hot in shooting, the Celtics actually had a good shot. I'm sorry, not the Celtics. I beg your pardon. The Heat had a very good shot, I felt, of making that first game competitive, if not even steal a game. But I agree with you. I think the Heat will win at least a game or two. I, I feel like it's not going to go past – it's not going to go past six games. It, it's, it's, I see the Nuggets winning four to two. I don't. I do think the the Heat will win more than one game, just because it's hard for you to play. Even if you are the better team, it's hard for you to shoot as well as the Nuggets day after day after day. There probably will be a day that the Heat will be hot, 
and the Nuggets will not be quite as hot. I feel like that will be a good chance for the Heat to steal a game. I do feel as if they'll probably win another game in the series, two games at best. But yes, the, the Nuggets are the more complete. I do think the Heat will be a better, not as, like it won't be blowouts every single game. They actually did show to have some life. And towards the end of that game, if if the Nuggets did not keep the pile on on points, the Heat would have made it a very interesting game. So I, I agree with you. I think it's going to end in five or six games, but I see the Nuggets winning the series all the way. Yeah, I think we're both in complete agreement on that here. And you know, for a third-party take here, let's bring in our good buddy Lou tonight. Uh, Lou, hopefully you're doing well. What are your thoughts on the NBA Finals? Well, you know, considering that, you know, that the Celtics had a monumental uh, win at the end of Game 6, maybe the momentum were there for Game 7, but they just look flat. And, you know, and they lose like that at home. That's not just, you know, upsetting. That's embarrassing to lose that at home in front of your home crowd. I mean, you had the game, you had the series in the bag, and then you just put the choke signal like that in Game 7. <laughs> Yeah, they had a bad hex on them or something in that that, that seventh game. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the leprechaun might have gotten COVID unfortunately that game because <laughs> Maybe. they they just they just not they shot they were just shooting up jacking up threes. I, I think they really thought in their mm. mind that the Heat were just going to go away and they were going to be too defeated to really be very competitive. To the Heat's right. credit, they have an outstanding coach, Coach Spoelstra. He kept them engaged. He did not let them feel down on himself and have a pity party. He kept them ready to play. They came out shooting well. And it just came down to the fact that the Heat just took too many threes. I'm sorry, the Celtics took too many threes. I mean, if your shot's not landing, I don't know why you're going to keep on shooting it. It was unfortunate what happened to Tatum. That was a major factor, too, in the beginning of the game. It just They just did not have the luck as they say of the Irish. What are your thoughts, Lou? Yeah, you're right. The Foley Clover, well, I think I just turned to bad luck. <laughs> yeah, no look at the Irish here. Yeah, because uh, you're right. Nothing that should have went well did go well. Tatum had the bad injury. Yeah. Jalen Brown was, was becoming a turnover magnet. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but he was turning over the ball a lot. It's a truth. And they were jacking up, as to Barkley's credit, I give him credit to what he said at the end of the game. Oh, I'm sorry, he said it during the game, not even at halftime. He said that, you know, they just keep jacking up those threes and missing them, and they just keep repeating the process. And yeah, I, I would say this much. You should try to attempt threes. But if you're not yeah. hitting the shot, you should try to take high percentage shots and then maybe try a, a three-point shot or a longer range after you get a little bit of scoring, after you build up some momentum, you just can't just keep shooting threes. You're not, you're no. not, you're, to, to your point, Lou, you're, you're not the Warriors. You're not the Golden State Warriors. No. You know, the funny thing I think about a lot of this, too, is a week ago we were talking about LeBron James and his potential retirement. I know there's been a lot of talk about that. That all died down and quieted down over the last week yeah. or so. And I think those. I think that the uh, the Celtics are probably wishing that he was more of a focal point at this time because it would have taken a little bit of pressure off of, of you know, the, the embarrassment of them coming all the way back and forth in the game seven and then, of course, losing uh, that game seven in the fashion that they did. So 
maybe they needed to make a yeah. couple of phone calls and try to get him to, you know, uh, speak up a little bit, but obviously that didn't happen. So, yeah. So, it, Lou, your, my question to you is: Do you think is anything going to give you any hope that the Heat can somewhat win this series or win it outright? No, I, 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 I don't think uh, Miami's not strong enough to overtake uh, Denver. I see this. Denver's been the best team all year, and the players showed why they've been the best all year. So. I don't think there's any chance that um, the Miami Heat has a chance to win this series. Do you think it's going to be a sweep, or do you think it's going to be? No, no, I don't. That's a little hard to come by, even in this day and age. So I will, um, but I will give them six. Wow! So one of the rare times that Lou agrees with me. I, I give. I would say. I, I would give them six games quietly. Too. I just think they're going to lose. No, I agree. I don't think the Heat is going to go down quietly. I do expect the Heat to win two games. I, I don't think they're going to go away quietly, and they shouldn't. They're, they are an eight seed, but they are a very good team. And a well-coached yeah. team, too. A well-coached team, you're getting the most out of them. They have nothing to feel bad about, but unfortunately, no. I do feel as if they're playing against a, a superior team. And to Denver's credit, they never won a championship, and I, I think this is the year that Things are lining up for them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But, yeah, what do you got cooking on your show this weekend? Yeah. Well, I have, of course, uh, predictions of the NBA and the NHL Stanley Cup, which begins tomorrow, too. So we'll take uh, predictions on that. Uh, we'll recap uh, Indy. Uh, we'll take a look at, uh, of course, the WNBA and anything in the WWE and UFC department. And, uh, and of course, yes, the uh, USFL. Uh, we'll also take a look at the, um, the monthly standings. Uh, of course, your thoughts and comments are always welcome, of course, on the show. And we'll, yeah, we'll also take a look at, um, you know, who is um, your best surprise in baseball right now? Now that we're into 50-plus uh, games of the year so far. Oh, and, of course, our monthly calendar events because every first um, – because the month I like this, you know, you track of what's going on because June is another busy month in the sports world. Boy, you thought it was going to be a dull month. Uh, <laughs> it's not. So, um, all I got to do is uh, 512-543-4662 between 4 and 6 p.m. tomorrow, East Coast time. And, you know, just call in and I'll, I'll get you on. And remember, now we're also on YouTube. So, Go to YouTube and dial in The Enhanced Sports Show, and you'll see um, previous shows I've done over the past few weeks. I think even the past few months now, since we've been doing it since January with this format. So there's, there's a lot up there. There's a lot of content. Oh, boy, is there ever. Yep, that's right. Yeah. There's always something with Lou. 512-543-4662 and The Enhanced Sports Show, 4 to 6. Eastern Standard Time Zone, and definitely Lou is going to have a fantastic, great, great show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be a great show. I hope you guys get a chance to come in at some point. Yeah, I mean, definitely, Lou, tomorrow is 
Saturday, and I'm going to do my very best to get time in tomorrow between 4 and 6 p.m. and go ahead and do that and support the Enhanced Sports Show because we really appreciate you here at the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. I will do my very best to call in tomorrow. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So 512-543-4662, folks. 512-543-4662 between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. Definitely, we look forward to you. Definitely, Lou. Thanks. You're welcome. Anytime. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great, guys. It has. Yeah, Thank Lou, you. definitely, definitely appreciate you uh, calling in here tonight, and I will be chiming in here probably sometime towards the end of June or early July. Um, unfortunately, my schedule is a little bit packed here for the next several weeks with vacation and and some other events going on, but uh, I definitely will be. Uh, chiming in and, and uh, you know, talking sports with you. So I'm looking forward to it. Good, because I, I hope – because I really don't want to be the last time we, you know, communicate <laughs> with each other. Oh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, right. You know, I, will, I won't be a stranger to this program as well. Um, as many of you know, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more uh, in the show later on, but uh, tonight is my yeah. final, final part of this show. Um, I won't be a stranger in that I'll probably be – as I told Alan prior to the show, I'll probably call on from time to time and – and talk about a certain subject or things like that. But um, as far as my uh, regular part of the show, that, of course, is coming to an end. So, um, But, Lou, it, two and a half years, so, I mean, you've been a part of the show almost as long as we have. You started calling in at the end of, I believe it was right at the end of 2020. Uh, you were really our first caller for the most part. And, it feels long. Um, yeah. <laughs> Probably because I've been doing this now for seven years. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, well nationally. Um I did make I did make a, a date though. I said uh, June seventeenth uh, to call in because June seventeenth, uh, well, let's just call it a milestone uh, for me in the, in the podcasting world. Well, definitely, I want you to make sure that that is on a Saturday and it is. It is two weeks yes, from tomorrow. And, and, yep. and you know we're going to talk more about this towards the end of the show. But definitely, Lou, you are always welcome here on our show. This, you know, as they say in show business, the show has to go on. We're going to continue yes. to do great things on this show. It's, you okay. know, definitely. It, it don't don't let any of that deter you, because we are going to be doing some big things. All right. Hey, I'm not All going right. anywhere. All right. That that's definitely the boat of confidence that made my night. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until, we, until we talk again, gentlemen. You got it, Lou. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir, Lou. Have a good night. So long for now. (laughs) So long for now, my friend. You got it. (laughs) Right. All right. That's our good buddy, Lou. Uh, And, you know, I kind of started to go into this a moment ago. I believe, and I don't have the exact date, but I believe he started uh, calling us regularly around, I don't know, September, October, November, somewhere in that time frame of, 2020, which was a really rough year for sports, just because we had the pandemic going on. Nothing was as it normally would have been. You had, you know, baseball was a 60-game season. There was no fans in the stands for football. The NBA season ended and then started abruptly right away again. Same thing with the NHL. Um, The Indy 500, instead of being done that year at uh, Memorial Day, they did it at Labor Day. Um, So everything was upside down and backwards and inside out and and Lou uh, really did a great job helping us kind of stabilize our thought process on a lot of this stuff and gave us some very good insight. And 
I would uh, expect, as he said it before, I would expect him to continue to do that even after I'm not here. Um, you know, I think uh, he, he's definitely been uh, a very entertaining part of the show and a very uh, valuable part of the show as far as his input. And, of course, he has the Enhanced Sports Show on Saturdays between 4 and 6 Eastern time. Uh, that's Eastern time, of course, New York time, folks. So definitely want to encourage you to listen to his show when you get an opportunity. And, and of course, uh, now that they're on YouTube as well, uh, you know, keep on, uh, you know, hit the like button, support and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, you know, give Lou uh, the support that he deserves as well. So um, talked about a couple of subjects there. Uh, NBA finals, I think we're both in agreement that Denver has got the, the best opportunity. Um, I know we wanted to discuss some Major League Baseball here tonight. A lot of things going on. We're a third of the way into the season. This is kind of the time, Alan, of the year where you can kind of get a good feel for are you really a team who's going to contend or are you going to pretend? And I think right now, just kind of going through the list, it's probably roughly about 50-50 on, on who is a contender and who is a pretender. One team I want to point out to you, though, and I know you, you have um, – you made a really bold prediction here back uh, two months or so ago with the Pittsburgh Pirates. They were actually in a really good spot here three, four weeks ago, 10 games above 500. Now they're barely above 500 at one game above. It's not a, not a division. I think it's going to take a lot to win it. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be probably a 88 to 90 win type of team, a win. Um, but tell me your biggest surprise a third of the way through the season, as far as teams, good and bad. That's a great question. I, I, the Pirates, I actually, you know, thank you for that. I did predict they were going to do really well. They're hanging in there half a game out. Yes, they have lost some games, but they're, they're hanging tough. And they're definitely, in my, my eyes, I still stay on that, that they're going to be one of the teams to beat. But I, I would have to still say the Rays. The Rays, to me, are a team that, I know I keep going to the Rays, but the Rays are a team that, Yes, they're only four games up with the Orioles and six games up with the Yankees. It seems as if when the Yankees do make a stride to kind of break into that lead, the Rays go ahead and win some games. And that right there has been kind of like the surprise. I felt as if the Rays would be teetering, tottering with first or second in that regard, but they've held a strong hold on, on the AL East. I mean, 40 wins, 18 losses, that's – that's very impressive. I don't care what anyone says. I know we're still in June, but that shows you that they're a very good team. And, you know, I will give the Rays credit. That is something that, uh, you know, I really hope that we do at the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show get access to go to a game this week. I did put in for us to cover Wednesday's game. So we will see if I will be able to make it and, and if they would bless me with bless our show with the opportunity, but yes, I, the Rays are, man, I'm impressed with the Rays. I really am. I love the fact that they're doing concert nights again. They yeah, giving yeah. away some nice giveaways. I, I mean, now you need to have a special ticket. Did you see that, that you have to have a special ticket to get the giveaways now? It makes sense. I mean, you know, sometimes people go to those things and they get the cheapest ticket and somebody else buys the most expensive ticket. And it's the guy who got there earlier who paid cheaper for the ticket that gets the uh, the special uh, giveaway. And the guy who paid the bigger bucks for the ticket gets nothing. So um, it's kind of a common thing. I think you, you see a lot of these special ticket packages that go on now. Um, 
it's not just the Rays. There's other ones. But up in Atlanta, uh, a week or so ago, or a little over a week ago, they had uh, Outcast, um, and they were giving away uh, Outcast um, and Big Boy um, bobbleheads. I thought that was a cool thing, man. I mean, I'd love to have gone up there and gotten one, but you had to have a special ticket in order to get it. So um, I think it's just kind of the way the teams are marketing things nowadays. But to go back to what we were talking about before, Alan, um, surprise teams. I'm going to give you one each surprise uh, positive and surprise negative in each league. Uh, biggest surprise positive in the National League for me is actually the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are actually tied right now with the Dodgers for first place. They've won five games in a row. They're 34 and 23. They're actually playing the Braves tonight in Arizona. Um, but they are probably the biggest National League surprise right now as, as well as they are playing um biggest surprise bad team in the national league i'd probably have to go really i'd have to go with st louis because i picked them to win the central they're seven games under 500 which is actually amazing that they've been able to get back to even that number they were 15 games below at one point i think they were like 10 and 25 or 11 and 11 and 25 something like that so to, to be where they can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel uh is actually pretty remarkable in the american league Probably the biggest surprise, I'm going to go with the Texas Rangers. I, I know that they, they've been kind of stockpiling talent for a few years and bringing in free agents. They made the biggest splash of the offseason with Jacob DeGrom. And then they, they brought in, of course, um, you know, a great manager uh, who's won three World Series and has been to four of them. Um, and, and certainly, you know, sometimes when you bring in a guy who had a successful tenure as a manager or a coach somewhere else, doesn't always translate to wins and it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win the division or even go to the playoffs this year, but they are playing a lot better. And Bruce Bochy has done a great job managing that team here in his first year with the Rangers. So that's the team that's surprising me the most in the American league in a positive way. I'm not surprised that Oakland is bad because I think most people, I think you even had them finishing in last place in the AL West, but to be as bad as they are, 12 and 47. And here is the shocker, the thing that got me this week. They beat the Braves twice in a row. I mean, come on. I, I felt so horrible as a Braves fan um, Monday and Tuesday to lose to the worst team in baseball two times in a row. You know, just kind of a, you know, good, good to get your kicks in low uh, early in the year and hopefully learn a lesson from it. But 12 and 47, there's, there's pitchers who may win more games than the A's do this year. So um, that's my team that's really been the biggest negative surprise and then of course we're seeing some really good stats you got uh pete alonzo with a mets with 20 home runs he may hit 60 home runs this year he may he may uh be what uh aaron judge was for the yankees a year ago so um biggest surprises i'm i don't think there's anything that's really out of what we thought was going to happen i think maybe some some surprise with texas being where they are houston they're clearly not the same team they've been the last few years they've lost a step or two, and I think their run as a supreme team is probably over, if not after this year already, it's already over. So uh, we'll kind of see how that plays out. But you know, I think you can safely, Alan, say looking at the uh, looking at the standings right now, Oakland is out; they're guaranteed to be out. I think you can say the same thing about the Kansas City Royals. White Sox are probably in the same boat. I think at this point, they're they're eight games below 500 and. In fourth place, I think that uh, Colorado is pretty much out of it. The Cubs are probably out of it. The Nationals are probably out of it. Those are really, that's only five teams that I just named there. So you have 25 teams that can still make a really big impact in a run 
in the final two-thirds of the season and make a, a possible trip to the postseason. Yeah, and definitely I didn't – with the A's, that I called that one. I knew they were going to be a bad team. I mean, yes, 12 wins, 46 losses, that, that's a – that's really, really bad. I didn't think it would be that bad, but I definitely did think it would be last place. And, you know, when, when you, this is goes to show you that in life, if you don't internally have motivation, it'll show in your behavior and your actions. And the only way you can be 12 wins with 46 losses is if you don't care. And that is what the A's, they don't care. They know that they're packing up and leaving. That didn't surprise me at all. And I predicted that they were going to do bad. And, you know, sometimes when you're on a team and you feel as if your team is not going anywhere, or at least the ownership doesn't really care, they're going to move the team anyway. And you start behaving that way, you're going to play that way. And that's, that was no shocker to me. Maybe as bad as they are, I knew they were going to be in last place. I'll just say it like that. But 24 and a half games out, that is showing you're just tanking it beyond belief. And, I did see a home run that Jose Abreu hit against the A's. Mm-hmm. And he started running the bases and sliding and, and having fun. And I would say this much. Props to Jose Abreu because, hey, the guy was in slump for a couple of months. He's having fun out there. Anytime you want to do something great, you have to have fun. And he's out there living life. You know, some people looked at it negatively. I'm like, hey, man, I'm not going to hate on somebody having fun. It wasn't like he was showing somebody up. He was just having fun. This Jose Breo doing his thing, running the bases hard and then sliding to home plate. I didn't see any issue with that at all. And, you know, if I was the A's and playing on that team, I wouldn't be part of their team doing bad, meaning I would play hard because you just never know. As a professional, you never know who's watching. And if you're just tanking stuff, Somebody might have wanted to trade you on their team. You always auditioning. You always have to put yourself in a position that, hey, I'm representing myself, and I'm going to represent myself in the best light. Yes, I don't like the fact that the team is moving, but kind of like the XFL, you, you're always auditioning. So you have to go out there and perform. Even regardless of what the record is, you have to perform. If you buy into the fact that you're just going to tank, you will give somebody a bad impression of how good you really are. What are your thoughts on that, like being a professional? Yeah, I think you still go out there no matter if you know you're – I mean, look, there's not a single guy in that team, including the coaching staff, that, that knows that team is not going to make the playoffs. I think that they all understand that, but that doesn't mean that they go out there and just lollygag around. You still go out there and play hard. And, look, they beat a really good team in the Braves twice this week in, in walk-off fashion in one of those games. Um, and then they, they beat their bullpen pretty badly in another one. So two of their 12 wins this year was against a really, really good team. And I think there's probably about a 50-50 split on that roster right now. Guys who are just like, I'm here. I don't know if I really want to be here or not. I'm happy to be in the major leagues, but it sucks being on a bad team. You still got to go out there and play. And then there's the other half of them that are, are like, look, I'm going to go out there and play as hard as I can. I'm going to put up good numbers. Maybe another team will trade for me or, you know, maybe – they build around me as one of the pieces of this team when we start getting good again, because the A's do have a fairly decent farm system. Obviously it takes time to develop and cultivate, and it may not be until they move to Las Vegas in a few years. They get to be the point of a contending team again. I think we, we've seen this happen before. Um, look at the nationals when they moved from Montreal all those years ago, 
it took them a while to get to the point where they were a team that was really in a good position. Oakland is going to be in a good spot in terms of drafting because they're going to be at the bottom, so they're going to be at the top next year. That may happen for some, uh, several years to come, obviously. Um, but I, I look at guys, uh, Noda, I think is how you say his first name, N-O-D-A. He's our first baseman. Looks like a really good young player. They've got uh, Shea Langoliers, their catcher, um, a guy that I think can be an all-star catcher. And they've got some guys in their rotation. Now, the nice thing that the A's as a bad team has as a luxury when they're as bad as they are is they can kind of let some of these guys play through, meaning that they don't have to play just five guys in their starting rotation. They can play seven or eight guys, and they can use that evaluation time to determine, hey, are, which of these guys are guys worth holding on to over the next several years versus the guys maybe they want to trade or maybe they want to not move on with. So they're actually not in the worst position, in my opinion. They're going to have some great players coming along in the future. They're just a very young team right now, and I think the biggest thing they got to find is leadership on the, on the roster. And when you find leadership, you'll be surprised how quickly things turn around. Just ask the Texas Rangers. They're in that exact position right now. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely correct. You know, leadership makes a big role and you've got to sometimes lead yourself. You know, if you see that the guys are just, you know, lallygallying to use your word and they're not putting in the work, you got to say to yourself, you know what, I'm out here to compete. I'm showing that, yes, we might have being a new location, but to your point, you want to be one of the people that's not being sent down or sent to another team. You got to show and perform really well you gotta you gotta play as if you're playing for a spot you gotta flip your mindset and to me the numbers don't lie for you to be 12 wins and 46 losses you're not putting in any effort i don't care what anyone says there's it's almost it's almost impossible i wouldn't say impossible it's almost impossible for you to be that bad unless you just tank in games and like you said you beat the braves twice so obviously you got a pretty decent team you just got to go out there and act and not think about them moving. You got to perform well because you're auditioning for yourself. And that's the mindset you have to have. One thing that did surprise me in baseball did happen the other night. And that was Taylor Ward and Phil Nevin. They were, <laughs> they were both thrown out because they were arguing balls and strikes. And I have to say, I'm usually not a person that really – jumps on a bandwagon when somebody's arguing balls and strikes, but I will make an exception to the rule in this case. That was a really bad call by the ref. The ball was low and inside. It was not even near a strike. The first time I seen the replay, I didn't even know what the whole scenario was. I just clicked play. It actually auto-played for me, you know, in Instagram. And I was like, that ball's not a strike. And then show, lo and behold, the guy called it a strike and they both got ejected. And to me, the ref should apologize to him the day after. Like that was real. It was that bad of a call. Like it was low and inside the catcher had to move to the left and down to catch the ball. And you called it a strike. That's one thing that major league baseball has to clean up. I know that guys are throwing hard, but you cannot be missing balls and strikes that badly. That was a pretty poor call. I agree with the guys being upset, and I'm, like I said, I'm one of the people that usually do not agree with arguing balls and strikes, but in this case, I would make that argument. I don't know if you saw that play, Aaron, but what do you think about being that atrocious behind the plate? 
you know, it happens. You know, I will say this. Umpires are people, too. You know, they're just like you and I. Um, they make mistakes. Um, unfortunately, when you make one that's that glaring, it's pretty obvious, and it's also pretty hard to um, to ignore it, you know. Uh, I'm actually looking at it right now. I'm watching uh, watching it here on YouTube. Um, I would read about it. I hadn't actually watched it. And so I'm going to kind of play through it here right now. They're playing uh, a couple of hits for the Angels. Got this is the Angels versus uh, the Houston Astros. I believe this was uh, was it last night or was it Wednesday? Last night. Was last night. So here's Taylor Ward. He's at the plate. That ball was down and called a ball. Next one was down, called a ball. Next one was down in a way that it caught the corner. Next one was down low. Next one he fouls off. Now, I gotta say that pitch. I mean, it, it is low based on where the where the strike zone is located, or where the the box is located. That's a pitch, and here's my opinion on it. If you're calling that consistently to both teams, then so be it. You can't really argue if you're being consistent on making bad calls. If you're if you're missing it multiple times, that's where I have more of a problem. Where one team seems to get an advantage versus the other. Now, Phil Nevin is a. <laughs> this is a guy who. He's a baseball lifer. He was the number one pick in the draft, I think, in 93, 92, somewhere in there. So he's, he's a baseball lifer, uh, was an excellent player throughout his career. He got a, an, op, an opportunity as a manager uh, last year when the Angels fired Joe Madden. So sometimes, and I just have watched baseball for such a long time, I understand how this works. Sometimes a manager coming out and arguing, whether it's a good or bad call, is to motivate his team. Joe Madden was very good at it for a long time. Lou Pinella, who's a friend of this show, he was really good at it for a long time. Bobby Cox, same type of thing. Sometimes when you go out there and show that you have your players back, that actually kind of has a reverse way of engineering and motivating the team. So I think a little bit of that was probably uh, present in this situation with Phil Nevin. If I'm the manager, I'm probably getting run from the game too because I did feel like that ball was low. But it was close enough in terms of it's not like it was in the, in, the, in the dirt. Yeah, it was probably three inches low. I've seen worse called before. So I wouldn't say it was the worst call I've seen. I've seen some pretty bad ones over the years. Yeah, I guess, you know, when you look at it that way, it doesn't sound as bad. You know, if I was the ref, I would have probably the next day say, hey, man, I'm sorry. That was my bad. You know, I watched it. I saw what you saw. And, yeah, I did miss it and just dap them up. You know, in a, not where it's public, where everybody sees it. But yeah, that, that, I thought that was bad because it was low and inside. It's one thing if you miss the pitch high or low. I get it because it's still over the plate. You may have missed it a couple of inches high or low. But when it's, to me, low and inside, two things that you had to do, that, you know, catch had to move his glove to the over and down, yeah, that, that's, that's one you can't miss. But like you said, it, it, it is what it is, you know, Referees are human. I I can understand where he was coming from because I felt like it was, okay, you missed both, low and inside. Usually it's one or two. But, yeah, you know, the thing about about baseball is, you know, yes, you're right. You know, when you argue balls and strikes, there are some guys that do well at it. A guy like Aaron Boone, he's setting a record this year for getting kicked out. I will give him <laughs> – to your point, I will give him this credence. You know, Lou Pinella is a, is a great 
on our show, and there's actually an event that I'll talk about a bit later in the show that I'll be at that will involve Lou Pinella. But one of the things that unfortunately Lou Pinella has over his head, and I think this is the reason why he hasn't been in a, in the Hall of Fame, is the fact that he was very extremely animated in getting thrown out. Yes, he did get thrown out less than Bobby Cox, but he was pretty, you know, he was pretty, his antics were out there. And indirectly, I think that turned off a lot of people. You know, the players didn't mind it. Some of the players, even like Ken Griffey Jr., I seen him laughing. People who vote and the people who make decisions, it kind of rubbed them the wrong way. And this is my opinion. You know, this is just my personal opinion. I feel as if that's what held up Lou Pinella from making it to the Hall of Fame. Do I agree with it? No. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame because if you look at the numbers, he's, he actually did get thrown out less than Bobby Cox. However, sometimes when you're so animated, it seems, because they keep replaying it on, you know, ESPN over and over again, it seems more grandiose. And that's what I would say when you argue balls and strikes. Aaron Boone is on a rate on a rate right now to break a record. He might one day be in contention to be in the Hall of Fame. I would just say you got to be careful with that because once people get an impression that you're just doing this to kind of get clout or just showing off, you know, when it goes over too far to the right where you're doing it too much, then you put yourself in jeopardy of not being elected to these things that you probably should. What are your thoughts on that, Aaron? I don't think that, that him having the animation that he had necessarily had any impact on his Hall of Fame uh, stature. I would, I would look at it and say, you look at another manager who has very similar career wins numbers, and Lou Pinella is in the 1800. He's won like 1835, I think is how many games he's won. You look at uh, Jim Leland. Uh, I'm looking at his stats right now. Barely above 500 for his career. A few fewer games managed by Lou Pinella, or by rather uh, Jim Leland and Lou Pinella. And I, th- uh, and I think you can make the argument that Jim Leland is a Hall of Fame manager. He won 1,769 games, just a few uh, less than Lou Pinella. And I think he'll be there. And he, he got ejected plenty of times during his career. Let me give you another one here who probably was the most animated other than maybe um, – uh, former uh, former Yankee manager. Uh, I'm trying to give his name. Um, it'll come to me here in a moment. Uh, you think about uh, Baltimore manager back in the 80s. Uh, his name will come to me here in a moment too. Very, very animated. I mean, you go back and watch some of the videos in the early 80s and late 70s with Baltimore Orioles and, and him getting tossed out of the game and just going off on the, man, on the umpire and getting in his face and spitting in his face and that kind of thing. And he's in the Hall of Fame. So I don't think it's necessarily the the animated part of it because I don't think people really look at it. Yeah, you get those things played back and people think about it, but I don't think people think about it that way. People are going to look at, okay, how well did you manage it when you had maybe a lesser quality team? Um, Lou Pinella, I think one thing that maybe hamstrung him a little bit was he had that three years in Tampa where they weren't a very good ball club. Um, also, I think that the other thing that would probably hamper him a little bit is um, he only won the one World Series. Uh, that was with the Reds in, in 1990. He had some really good teams in Seattle during the 90s. And 2001, they won 116 games and, um, you know, didn't, didn't ultimately win the whole thing. So 
I'm not saying those things are going to keep him from getting there. I think Lou Pinnell ultimately will be a Hall of Famer, but he didn't get to 2,000 wins. I think 2,000 is kind of an automatic you're in at some point. You look at the last three guys that have made it to that point. Bobby Cox uh, was 2,504. You have Joe Torrey, who's right up there with him. And, of course, um, uh, uh, Tony LaRussa. All three of those guys were over 2,500 or so wins each. They, they were, were consistent at a longer period of time and had a little bit more postseason success. And I think that's really what kind of determined the difference there. Yeah. So, you know, definitely a great, great take. And I, I but compare him to a guy like Bobby Cox. How, how do you feel as if his numbers compare to Bobby Cox? You talking about Lou Pinella? Correct. Yep. Well, he's about 700 wins behind Bobby Cox as far as, as, as wins. Bobby won 2504, and Lou, I want to say 1836. So he's just a little under 700 fewer. Um, that makes a difference. It does definitely make a difference. Um, at the end of the day, I think Lou will get there, but he was not a first ballot Hall of Famer manager. I'm not taking anything away from him at all. He managed some great teams. He managed a lot of teams, too. You think about it, he was actually manager of the Yankees back in the late 80s. He went to the Reds. So there's two teams right there. He's with Seattle the longest. He was there for, I want to say, 11 seasons or 12 seasons. All those great teams he had there in Seattle. Um, and then, you know, you think about, too, he had to manage through losing in consecutive years Randy Johnson, Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, Three, you know, should be Hall of Fame players. One of them, of course, won't get in because of uh, the steroid stuff. But three great players in a row that you lost. And then you, you go into 2001, having just lost Alex Rodriguez to free agency. And you bring in this guy from, from Japan named Ichiro. And you win 116 games. So, um, And then, of course, he went on to, to Tampa. He was there for, uh, for three years. And then he finished his career up in, uh, in, in Chicago. And you know, a good situation with the Cubs. There's a lot of comparisons, I think, between him and, and uh, Dusty Baker as well. Two, two guys who really managed a lot of teams and for the most part had success with each of those teams. Now, the manager I was trying to uh, bring up a few minutes ago was Earl Weaver uh, with Baltimore. He was uh, very, very animated in, uh, in his um, uh, arguing with, with uh, umpires and getting in their face and that sort of thing. So, wanted to make sure I got his name in there. And then, of course, um, New York Yankees uh, manager um, that I was trying to bring up there before. You go all the way back to the, the 70s and into the 80s, Billy Martin. Of course, he was very animated as well. So <laughs> two uh, very interesting names, two guys that are certainly uh, synonymous with getting ejected as well. Yeah, so definitely, you know, I personally believe Lewis is a Hall of Famer. You know, that's something that I'm pushing that hope that does happen, that he does become a Hall of Famer. Definitely, I'll talk more about an event that I'll be at, not this weekend coming up, the following weekend involving Lou Pinella. I'll talk more about that towards the end of the show. But it is going to be something that of a topic of discussion, whether Lou Pinella belongs to being a Hall of Fame or not. It is definitely, I will let you know, one thing that will happen next weekend is definitely going to be a topic that our show will be involved in and entranced in. And I'll share a lot more about that a bit later. But yes, Aaron, so you don't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame is, is what you're saying? 
Are we talking about Lou Pinella? Lou Pinella, yes. No, no, he, he definitely belongs in the Hall of Fame. I just don't believe that he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he's just okay. below that tier. So I, I, I would put the, the tier here. You know, we talked about Dusty Baker before. He has a little over 2,100 career wins. So he's the first ballot Hall of Famer the moment he retires, oh, yeah. which, yeah. which may, definitely may very well definitely. be. Yeah, but Dusty Baker will probably retire after this year. I wouldn't be shocked if he decided to go ahead and, and hang it up after this year for good. Uh, he's been managing for 30 years, basically, at this point. Um, Lou is just below that threshold. If he had made it to 2,000 or even 1,900 wins, I think he would have been in already. But Lou Pinello will get in. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. And I think the same thing for Jim Leland. He had a great managerial career uh, with a few different teams, had some really good success with the Pirates in the early 90s. Of course, helped the Marlins win their first World Series. And then, of course, he spent uh, a decade or so or thereabouts in, uh, in Detroit with the Tigers. Um, took them to a couple World Series appearances. Unfortunately, they came up short both, uh, both times. But I certainly believe he'll be in. And then um, I'm going to check the numbers here on Bruce Bochy. I'm pretty positive. Of course, he's won three World Series. I'm sure he's got, uh, got it kind of locked up there as eventually being in the, uh, in the Hall of Fame. And he's, of course, managing Texas now. So he's got a chance to, to add to his, um, his numbers. He has over 2,000 wins right now. He has 2,036, so he's, uh, he's certainly in. Here's the interesting thing about Bruce Bochy, looking at his career numbers. He is actually below 500, 2,036 wins, 2,047 losses. And you think about how good some of those teams were that he managed, of course, in San Francisco winning three World Series. And he had some really good teams in San Diego in the mid to late 90s and even into the early to mid 2000s because he was there for, I think, 12 years. Um, but he had a couple teams that weren't very good. And so he's been kind of a overall just a barely below 500 manager for his career. This year will probably get him above that 500 mark. Yeah, and, and to your point, Dusty Baker is a, definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer. If the boxing community, boxing community, if the baseball community does not, put him first ballot then that will be something that will be an atrocity but yes dusty baker is a first ballot hall of famer no questions asked and whenever he retires that's where he should be i do believe lou Pinella is a hall of famer whether well he's definitely not gonna be first ballot at this point i mean he he's that's be pretty much a certainty i mean he's he's already you know he you he already been there already but yeah, it'll be, it'll be the veterans committee that'll get him in. It'll be the right. veterans committee or the special, the special assignment committee. I'm not sure if that's exactly what it's called or not. Same thing for for Jim Leland. Um, it'll be those committees that get guys like those two guys in. Um, and then of course um, for Dusty Baker, the interesting thing about managers is there is a special committee. This is how Bobby Cox is able to get in so quickly. Bobby Cox, Tony LaRussa, and Jim, uh, I'm sorry, and Joe Torre all went in in the same year as managers, and it was less than five years after each of them had retired. Both Cox and Torre uh, retired after 2010, and then, of course, uh, LaRussa retired from the Cardinals after 2011. He made that ridiculous comeback with the White Sox a couple years ago. That, unfortunately, did not work out. The game had kind of passed him by by the time he got there, and, of course, he stepped down after just two seasons, but um, there's a little bit of a different way that it goes for managers. Um, 
but yeah, you're absolutely right. As soon as Dusty Baker hangs him up, I see him very, very quickly getting uh, put in. And, you know, he had a pretty good career as a player too. Let's not forget the, the contributions he made as a player uh, were, were pretty high up there as well. Yeah. He's just an outstanding, outstanding baseball ambassador, both player and coach. And yeah, you know, props to Dusty Baker. You know, I actually am a big fan of, of him and his tenure and his work with the baseball community. I pray that one day I'm able to meet him and take a picture with him, but I am a big fan of Bussy Baker. So definitely, you know, I pray his health continues and and hope that he is and pray that he is a first battle hall of famer because he's definitely deserving of it. As you mentioned, as a player and as a manager, you know, I, I know that they, held the fact that he never won the big one quote unquote over his head he got the big one yeah he's you know over his head he's got the big one i know to your point he's got one ring tied with lou Pinella. so don't try to you know cut corners major league baseball major league (laughs) baseball fans give the man his props and that's what it is and you know the one thing i really love it's not just the one thing but one of the things i love about dusty baker he has been with several different teams um, the, the Astros are his fifth organization team he has been with. He has been in the postseason, which is remarkable. Five different teams. You have the, the Giants, the Cubs, the Reds, the Nationals, and, of course, now the Astros. Um, two of those teams, two of those organizations he took to the World Series. That would be, of course, uh, the Giants way back in 2002 and, of course, the Astros each of the last two years. But I like how he kind of has his own style to him. Uh, as far as his, his appearance, I like how he, he still, even as a, a manager, always has worn the, um, the wristbands. That's kind of a unique thing. Always has a uh, toothpick in his mouth. And then here in the last few years, it's almost like he's going to go cook barbecue afterwards. He's always had those dark gloves on, kind of like they do in the, in the, in the back of a barbecue uh, uh, you know, restaurant. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly why he wore those, but it just, He's always had a cool style about him, and he's always been a very respected guy. Of course, he uh, played for the Braves back in the 70s, was very, very good friends with the late Hank Aaron. Um, they were very, very close friends. In fact, he was actually on deck on April 8, 1974, when Hank Aaron hit number 715. So um, just a cool piece of trivia to throw out there in regards to Dusty Baker. Yeah, that's cool. I, I didn't even, you know – I had forgot about that, so I'm glad you reminded me of that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, baseball history right there, Dusty Baker. And man, you know he's he's come across you know Willie Mays and Barry Bonds. I mean, Bobby Bonds. He, he's played or networked with some of the greatest players to play this game. I mean, that's just the thing. Thirty years back, just that right there is just unbelievable. You know. You know, when you have that type of tenure, you can go back three decades of people that you've played with or networked with or played alongside with or watched, and mm-hmm. it's just remarkable. Yeah, and you think about, too, you know, again, kind of some of the names that he has been around in his career, you think about as a player, I just mentioned Hank Aaron, and you talked about Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonds, of course, which he managed Barry in uh, San Francisco for 10 seasons. Um, he also got a chance to manage Sammy Sosa, obviously the home run connection there. Um, he went on to, uh, to Cincinnati 
had some pretty good players in Cincinnati. He had, uh, I believe, Griffey for a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. He might have, he might have ended up in Cincinnati a little bit after the Griffey era. Um, but then he, of course, goes to, to Washington, and he had Bryce Harper for a few years. And then you look at some of the players he has had um, there in Houston, obviously, over the last uh, four years. He's been there now. And so he's, he's had a connection. He, he, you know, they, they talk about the, the, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. This is kind of the six degrees of Dusty Baker and some of the great players past and present uh, that he has had a chance to, uh, to be around as a manager and, of course, way back in the day as a player. So um, I think he's one of the very few that can kind of have that beginning and end kind of uh, seeing things from a 50- or 60-year span. And that's a very rare thing to see in sports nowadays. No, you're absolutely right. It's definitely a rarity and something that you don't find too often. So definitely you got to treasure, you know, when you meet those old school guys that have a lot of wealth and knowledge, you got to appreciate them because they don't come by too often. And that's something to be proud of. So Dusty Baker gets mad props. And in fact, I want to go ahead and give somebody else some mad props. We're going to do go ahead. And we kind of got sidetracked, but we did not forget. <laughs> we want to go ahead and play a brand new song by Sam Scola, Game Day in the NBA by Sam Scola. I was our songwriter here. And definitely, we definitely thank Sam Scola for writing this song. We wanted to make sure we play at the right time. There is no NBA game tonight. It is continues tomorrow. But we're going to put you in the mood. We're going to get you ready for the NBA Finals. We're going to do big things here at the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show by debuting Game Day in the NBA by Sam Scola. Obviously, we're a day late on that. First game was yesterday, but certainly a good uh, a good way to um, to get in that mood, as you mentioned, for basketball. Obviously, at the most, there's going to be six more games uh, left in the season. At the minimum, three. 
And so obviously it's a good thing to have. And, and, uh, you know, we know we have a lot of big NBA fans that listen to our program. So certainly want to make sure that they are not forgotten. And, and of course, uh, we want to thank Sam Scola for not just this song, but all the great music he has played for us over the last uh, five or six months. He's definitely done a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate Sam Scola and all the hard work he's put in here at the Allen and Aaron Sports Greatest Show. So props to Sam Scola there in Maine. If you are a producer looking for some talent, you know, definitely you should check out Sam Scola right there in Maine. He's a guy who just loves writing great songs and writing great music. Him and his beautiful wife, Mary, reach out to us and we'll make sure we put you two together and make it happen because that record deal is something that he deserves and we're going to put in existence. He's going to get it one day. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I definitely uh, agree with that and believe that'll happen too. So I know you had some boxing news that you wanted to share here this evening, a uh, big fight coming up this weekend. Alan, go ahead and go uh, with your boxing news for this evening. Yes, that's right. There is a big fight this weekend. Caressa Shields versus Marcela Cornejo. And it's going to be a big fight. I, I really, it's for all the belts. This is a women's boxing. It's really a props to women's boxing that they headline some of these fights. They're the main events. So that is really cool. Women's boxing has come a long way, and these women can actually fight. I've, I've watched quite a few myself where the women are the headliners, and no, you got to have some skills. But I do think Caressa Seals will, will go ahead and do her thing. You know, she's just she's just very good. And I just think that she's going to make sure that she throws a jab out there. She just wants it batted. She's going to defend those titles. And Ms. Shields is going to get her another win. I think that's going to happen this weekend. I definitely will keep you up to date. I just think it's just going to be a situation where she's going to knock her out. I, I don't see this being that big of a, a competitive fight. I just think she's going to do her thing. You know, Shields, she, she got it. And there's the great thing about boxing is that there's actually a lot of great things coming up very soon. I did want to touch on the fight that happened. You know, definitely I wanted to make sure that you guys know that one fight that is coming up that we did actually put in to cover is the Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence. And that's going to be a big mega fight towards the end of July, July 29th. Here at the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show, we did go ahead and submit our request. So, yes, we are looking forward to covering that fight in July. That is going to be a mega fight. It's going to be one of the biggest fights in boxing. I follow boxing, and that's going to be a big fight. I do wish they made it a little sooner, but they are still in their primes. And... It's, it's going to be a very interesting, interesting fight. You'll have to stay tuned to who I feel is going to win this fight. But I, it is pretty – I know it is looking – you know, a lot of people are looking at this like it's going to be a 50-50 fight, and it is going to be very competitive. But I will give you my inside take, kind of like behind-the-scenes inside take of who I think will win this fight and why I think they'll win the fight in the future as the fight comes we're going to cover it. I'm speaking into existence that we're going to get approved for it. And it would be great because I haven't actually covered a boxing 
a venue in some time there, you know, it just, you know, I've had gotten pulled in a few different directions, but I didn't forget about boxing. I always make sure boxing is talked on this show. And we discuss it, but I will be there in Vegas to cover this fight. I do expect there to be a lot of other faces and VIP guests that will be attending this fight too. So we'll get some more insight and I'll give you guys some behind the scenes look, but I'm excited about it. I'm already putting in existence that we're going to get approved for it. I know it is a mega fight and there will be other, you know, usually when there's a mega fight, there is a lot of media coverage that comes out of the woodworks, but I just think that we're going to get it and it's going to be magnificent. So yeah, so I'll keep you up to date on other boxing news. It also, it is my good friend Barry Michael's birthday. I know we're in a different time zone because he's in Australia and we're not. <laughs> but it is his birthday. I did see that. I am going to post that on his page. It was kind of hard to find it on his page because you can't really put it on his page. And unfortunately, you know, there's a couple things that happened recently, so I didn't want to put it on that post. But I will just say definitely happy birthday to Barry Michaels and yeah, for, for boxing news, there's going to be a lot more coming up. A lot of great things. At least what I have to say about the boxing time right now, you are going to, you are seeing more competitive fights. I think it took one or two boxing guys to just say, Hey, let me just fight the guy. And that has happened recently in the box community. Now I'm starting to see that boxing starting to come with more competitive and more fights that the fans want to see rather than kind of each guy chasing each other's tail and nobody wants to fight each other. I feel like now that a couple of people have stepped up and done it, other guys are starting to follow suit and start taking more of a risk, which is great to see because we get to see as fans more competitive fights. So a lot more of that coming soon on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. Yeah, no, absolutely. Some great stuff to come, and I know you'll handle that and take uh, take pride in, of course, um, you know, covering that very, very well for this show. And Alan, you know, it, it's been a it's been a wonderful almost three and a half years um, that we've been together on this program. And sad but bittersweet at the same time that this is my final show here on the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk podcast. Um, kind of looking back over the last uh, three and a half years, think about where we are now and where we started uh, back in late January or early February of 2020. And how back then we didn't have a whole lot to talk about because the pandemic had just started and we didn't know what was going to happen. I kind of went through this a little bit before, you know, you had the Indy 500 during Labor Day instead of during Memorial Day and the baseball season was 60 game sprint and there was no fans in the stands for the NFL season and things slowly but surely started to get back to normal in 2021 and really became full uh, circle in 2022 and you know, we've had some great, great opportunities on this show. Um, can't think our different guests. Uh, there's so many to name right now. Um, and, of course, Chef G, uh, Florida Barbecue Sauce, has certainly been a great uh, friend of the show and a great sponsor for the last uh, almost year and a half now. Just naming people off the top of my head, though, that have been a part of the show, of course, Lou, uh, Jeff Haig, my former baseball coach, of course, uh, was on our show at one point, uh, Daryl Strawberry, who was a favorite player of mine as a kid, Chip Carey, who I've been listening to for over 25 years. Um, of course, Coach Spurrier, we were able to go visit him and, and interview him a few months ago back up in 
in Gainesville and, and many other guests and callers uh, between uh, the beginning and now. And I know that you're going to do a great job with this show. Um, I, I know you're going to take this to uh, to a place that it maybe was never even imagined when we first started. And I know that where it's at now, I, I don't think I had even the the idea that we get to the point where it is. Um, as we discussed uh, off the air over the last uh, couple of days, and really the last couple of days in particular, um, for this show to, to go in the direction that it's going, it's it's going to go with with one less person and. I feel very honored to have been a part of this for as long as I was and to, to have been able to contribute. Um, I'm going to miss it for sure. There's no question about it. Um, I'm not closing the door forever to the podcasting side of things. I certainly uh, always enjoy talking sports, so I'm not going to close the door uh, forever. It's uh, it's closed, but it's not locked. Um, but sometimes, as you said, the show must go on, and sometimes you know you have to go in in different directions. And, you know, we had some really cool opportunities these last few years. NASCAR was a really cool event. Uh, I said at 2500 back in February, um, you know, to see it from, from the, the media side and the media perspective and to be able to run into different people and, and have just some opportunities that you don't normally see has been very, very spectacular. And we've gained a lot of fans and made a lot of friends along the way. Uh, maybe made a few enemies too. I know there was a guy who called us back in, December that wanted to pretend that he was uh, a certain somebody from a Ohio State football program, or a, I'm sorry, a Penn State football program. Um, we won't get into all that, but we've had a few prank calls. I think that kind of was a flattering thing for us, but um, but the end is here, and uh, I, I I felt good about the decision. It was a hard one to make, but I felt right about it, and I know that you're going to carry this thing on and, and do great things and be in great places going forward. I, I have no doubt about that at all. Um, your talent is immensely above anything that I possess. And some of the opportunities that you've had to, to go out to Texas and go to the XFL championship. And, and of course, um, some of the interviews you've had, uh, you know, Eli Manning, uh, as an example, or Evander Holyfield or Emmett Smith or, uh, Lou Pinella, uh, we talked about him before, uh, meeting, of course, Wade Boggs and Johnny Damon, and the list goes on and on. Um, more of those great things are coming your way, my, my friend. I, I definitely believe that. So I'm looking forward to watching this from afar. Um, if it's okay, I'll chime in from time to time. And, and like I said, uh, you know, be a guest caller uh, here and there. Um, I won't overwhelm you, of course, but um, certainly I'll, I'll, I'll keep a close eye on things and, and certainly root for you going forward. And and uh, you and I are still great friends. I know we'll be playing golf together when it cools down a little bit. The heat has gotten to us here in Central Florida, so maybe a, a little bit later in the fall. But uh, it has definitely been a fun ride, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And uh, at this point, uh, I've got some things in my personal life that I'd like to focus on um, that are taking my attention. And I, I definitely need to get to those things and put those things as my focus for the time um, it's right in front of me. So I want to thank everybody who has supported us uh, as a show and continue to support Alan. He's going to do a great job. This guy, I'm telling you, has a lot of talent. And I'm going to say this, and I, I've probably said this on the show before, we've been asked individually and collectively many times over the last three and a half years, how did this show get started? And it really literally came down to, at one point, Alan and I worked together at a company that I'm not going to say on the air, we were desk partners, and every day, essentially, we would talk sports in between phone calls or at lunch, walking in from the parking lot or out to the car at the end of the day. It was sports, sports, sports. And 
I got the idea at one point of, you know, let's, let's maybe consider doing a sports podcast. And Alan took it to a whole new level. Um, he really did. He took it to a, to a level that I, I never foresaw it being at. And I'm proud of him for doing that. And he's done such a great job and uh, really respect him for what he's done and what he's been able to do. 90% of the show has been Alan. Um, and I, I'm not kidding when I say that. He has really put um, the, the cherry on top of it. And, you know, if you think the show's in a great place now, watch what he's going to do over these next few years. I'm speaking it into existence now. It's going to be a great show. And I'm very proud of what you've done and what we've accomplished together. And like I said, I'm going to miss it. Um, but it, it was the right decision. I, I, I definitely was prepared for um, for this to be the end. Um, it was kind of more abrupt than I think we anticipated, but I think it was the right time. And, and I wish you the best luck moving forward. No, I really appreciate that, Aaron. I really do. And, and thank you for those, you know, magnificent words, you know, definitely, you know, when you told the, the timeline of the story is like, wow, you know, you kind of think back and it's like, it jogs your memory of where we started and where we're at. And I, I'm glad that we are having this discussion where fans and everybody could hear it because I, I did want to clear up a few things. I know that I've gotten a text with Chef G and, and people thinking that the show is, is over. You know, the show is, is not over. It is going to be in great hands. You know, the show will continue. You know, I'm, I'm going to miss Aaron. You know, it's definitely been, you know, it, he reminded me of how we started from humble beginnings. It, we just started talking sports. We're working together, guest partner. And we just said, hey, let's just start a podcast together. And even at that point, I, I didn't really imagine it would take off the way it did. I really did not. And not that we were going to have a bad podcast or anything, but it just, you know, God leads you certain ways in certain direction. And, and as long as you obey and follow those things, you will get blessed. And that's how this show started. And, you know, he mentioned Daryl Strawberry. I got to give props to Daryl Strawberry because that guy's a man of faith. And I think we just met together, you know, and he was the, the first celebrity that came on our show. And, we were kind of like at an impasse at that point, like, where are we going with this show? And then lo and behold, we met Daryl Strawberry and he came on our show and that just kickstarted our show. And then we went and did a little lull, but then we learned from that experience and kind of grew from there. And I never imagined that the show would be where it's at, at this point, you know, you brought up some great things that I've been able to be a part of. And just having Aaron as as a co-host has been phenomenal. It really has been. He's been, you know, great co-host and and definitely the show. And you know, as they say in Hollywood, must go on. The, the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show will go on. It will be something that Aaron's going to say it's going to be, and even more so. And and that's the thing. You know, we we were just at the point where. You know, as, as Aaron mentioned that he has some personal things going on and it's just, it was just, you know, getting pulled in so many directions and it, it's going to be a great thing for, for the Alan and Aaron Sports Radio Show because Aaron's always going to be invited here on our show. This, this, this is, this is the great thing about having great open dialogue and having great friendship is that there's no hard feelings on both sides. You know, I am going to miss having him as a co-host definitely. And that's the great thing about our fans and people who listen to the show and support our show is that 
we're going to go ahead and continue to give you great content. A lot of great things are coming up. And, I, you know, I'm really blessed that God has put me in this position and kind of said, hey, you should do this. You should do that. He talks to me as long as you're willing to listen and as long as you obey, opportunities start opening up. And that's how this show kind of got to where it's at. And and we're going to keep pushing forward. And, you know, that's that's where we're going. I will say to the people who are curious, you know, it will have a different name. It won't be the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. We will have a new logo and new show name. I'm not going to disclose that publicly just yet. That's something that we're still I'm still working on and kind of going through the logistics of that. It was a little sudden, but you know what? Things happen for a reason. I think change and a lot of times in life is a great thing. And the show is going to be in a, in a great position. I, I want people to understand that, that yes, we're going to be back here next Friday and the Friday after that and keep going forward because to kind of end the show is not pushing forward the way God wants you to do and kind of want you to be the best version of this show and what you can be. There's a lot more in store that's going forward. Just some things that I will just kind of let you know. So I did mention that we'll have a new name show and we will have a new logo, those things will, will come in time. I mentioned to Aaron that the, you know, the logo and things will change. It is something that we're working on. But yeah, just hang in there. If you're a, a listener and fan of the show, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged because great things are on the right. We're going to have great guests. I am definitely, Aaron is always welcome. I'm, I'm going to miss him as a co-host. But it was the right thing for him. You know, it's a great day because Aaron now gets a chance to focus on his family and personal things that are happening in his life. So I don't want people to, you know, definitely get the wrong impression. I want people to understand that we're, we're not mad or bitter each other. And that's the way relationships should be. You know, just because someone might go in a different direction, whether it be a family or friend, you shouldn't have, you know, tough feelings or hard feelings. It was the best thing for, for him. It's going to be the best thing for our show and we're going to go ahead and move in a positive in a positive way. What do you think about that, Aaron? No, that's that's uh, my my feelings exactly. Um, it's bittersweet, like I said uh, before. You know, it's it's it was a tough decision, but sometimes the tough decisions are the right decisions. And I woke up uh, this morning um, and thought about it for a little bit of time, and and I felt like it was the right choice. And um, again, it wasn't an easy one to make, but it was the right one to make. And so I confidently go, uh, move forward. And as I said before, um, my being in the industry of, of sports podcasting is not in any way, shape or form over forever. It's over for now. And other opportunities may come about in the future. I'm never going to close the door on something like this because it's such a fun thing to do. But sometimes there are seasons in life that you go through. We talk about sports seasons. They come and go, and sometimes seasons in life are the same way. And so the season in life for me right now is is to be more focused on some of the things in the personal life that I don't really want to get into, of course, on the air, but um, to take that opportunity to, to focus on those things. And then you never know what door might open in the future. And, you know, I'm encouraged by whatever those doors might be whenever they might happen, um, certainly, you know, down the line. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the great thing is that, you know, when you kind of do things and you actually put in the work and things kind of 
fall into place. And that's the thing. We really want to really thank you, the fans, because you put us in that position where, hey, we started during the pandemic, as Aaron mentioned. We didn't know where we were going. There were some lulls in times in the show, like, hey, what do we do next? But then things just started to roll. And that's where we're at. We're going to keep on rolling through. You know, as you mentioned, that he will be still connected to the show. Aaron is always welcome here on our show. And it is, it's been really an honor and pleasure working and alongside him as a co-host. It, you know, this, this is, has been a great thing. And, you know, it, I feel as if in life, everybody should be happy. And, you know, at this point, you know, he has to take care of some personal things, you know, as he mentioned. And at this point, we're going to keep the, you know, as it stays, they say, the show must go on. And that's going to be a great thing because it's going to be positive. It's going to be a, we're going to keep everything positive. And he mentioned that we ruffled some feathers along the way. It was not done intentionally. You know, if people, sometimes you can't please everybody as much as you try and try and try. And, and that's really how I kind of go about life. I don't feel as if you should go and step on people and should create enemies along the way. You should always have, I always feel in life, anything can be talked out and worked out. And as long as people are willing to listen and talk and, and I feel as if me and Aaron are going to be great friends. There's nothing, no hard feelings there at all. It, it is going to be a, a great opportunity for him. He's got some great things coming up in his personal life. So yes, just hang in there with the Allen and Aaron sports Talk radio show. I know there was a couple of people that had put on sad faces this is not a sad day. It, it's, it's, it's a new beginning for Aaron, and it's a new beginning for the show. And we are not going to forget you, the listener. We love your input because we know, Aaron knows and I know, that we could not be where we're at without you. So we sincerely appreciate you, and we're going to keep pushing forward. I know Lou is concerned. I know a few other people have been getting back to me. But, yes. Me and Aaron are cool. We're we're not enemies. I'm not mad. He's not bitter. But it's the right thing to do. <laughs> it's the right thing to do at this point for him. And it, it's you know, in a in a large part, it's the right thing to do for the show. And you know, it, and that's where we're at. It's all good here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. Soon to be a new name. Don't know yet, but I will keep you guys up to date on our page as to what changes will happen. You know, I didn't want to go ahead and make a rush post because I, I really don't have all those answers right at this moment. It was a little sudden, but sometimes I feel as if sometimes you 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 want to learn how to swim. You're right at the edge of the pool. You know you you have people watching you. You you, you know you you're not gonna drown. You're gonna be okay. But sometimes you need somebody to push you to get you in the pool. So yeah, this is this is gonna be a great thing, and definitely we're gonna go. And I agree with Aaron, you know, speaking of existence, this show is going to continue to be something magnificent, wonderful, even more so than it already is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, really, for the, for the final time for me, I want to uh, sign us off here this evening. I want to thank, uh, of course, the great partnership with Chef G's Board of Barbecue Sauce over this last uh, roughly year and a half. Uh, he has done great things for us. And, of course, we've been uh, having a lot of fun, of course, promoting him uh, during that time. So, for uh, our good buddy Lou, for Alan, this is Aaron, everybody, signing off for the last time on the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. 
Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.